So as this occasion begins to unravel as it as it will, because whatever comes together has to you know, fall apart or disassemble. That's the nature of the conditioned reality. process of uh, coming together, forming, stabilizing, grounding, being collected by the occasion. We both form the occasion and the occasion forms us. Occasion allows us to bring our living qualities in, bring them into alignment, precepts, collectedness, samadhi, with discernment, wisdom, gathering it together. And out of that, a certain context is generated our efforts shared we form the occasion forms us our energies and aspirations our restraint and clarity our kindness and resolve form the occasion this is the cycle this is the circularity of the process Dhamma Though the elements of this uh, specific occasion naturally come to an end, just as our own specific bodies, lives come to an end, sometime or another, something continues, the Dhamma continues. As the Buddha himself said, when he's passed away, the Dhamma will be your refuge. Dhamma Vinaya, training, and um, teaching or essence of truth will be the guide and if you keep it going it keeps you going if you keep it going if you take it up individually put you apply yourself to it it continues if it continues it attracts people put themselves into it bring their efforts into it. They bring their efforts into it. It spreads, it continues. It continues, <laughs> it brings people in. People keep it going, it keeps people going. This is the circularity of the Dhamma. And it's uh, a wheel, and it's been rolling uh, for centuries while other forms of human um, collectives have arisen and passed, the empires, the kingdoms, the nations, uh, have come and gone. And this has 
encircled uh, India, Southeast Asia, China, Japan, Russia, Europe, America. Turning it round, and is it everybody who practices it authentically contributes and allows it to spread wherever people want to practice it? So we have a certain, you say, responsibility, you could say, or uh, it's up to us individually to be part of that collective circle. Every effort you make, bring into your life must have effects and every circle has an innumerable number of points on it so we can be points on that circling process which is quite dynamic Continuing to live, take refuge, live according to the way. Whatever you do, think, say, refrain from doing, thinking, saying. Put energy into it. Whatever you withdraw energy from that's unskillful, useless, this does bound to have effects on you individually and on people you contact. Um, This is how it's kept going. This is independent of lineages or traditions. This is the human transmission, is the transmission of people applying themselves to it. Don't apply themselves to it. You may have things that look like Buddhism, got Buddhism written all over them, but aren't actually authentic. They're not practiced. So there's a certain responsibility to be the authenticity of this. The pachatam in yourself. This is where the dhamma is realized, nowhere else. Circularity to it. So it's dhamma as a as a cultivation. If you just begin to acknowledge, you know, where the Buddha establishes through his body. Mm. As in this very body with its consciousness and mind, perceptions and feelings, this is where we cultivate the path. Without mindfulness of body, there's no realization of the deathless. The deathless is lost on those who don't cultivate mindfulness of the body. So it brings this sense of the vast, ineffable qualities such as Dhamma or Nibbana, deathless, into this very fragile, tangible, um, personal form as the generating principle which absorbs that and transmits it absorbs these uh, teachings and embodies it and is purified 
transmits it. And this is the, the, the link, this very individual body with its chitta. And as the Buddha says, this protest of mindfulness, this is the purification of beings. The purification of beings. Living beings. Not for theory or for a philosophical idea, however true or valid that is, but the purification of beings. Beings have to inhale it, breathe it in, move it through their embodiment and be purified. So this is the the vehicle that we use because the citta is, you know, has this embodied quality to it. This is where it gets embedded in the sense consciousness and it's through handling that, restraining it, cultivating it, strengthening it, blessing it, gladdening it, encouraging it, that is purified of fear, hatred, greed, delusion, confusion, wrong views, conceit, through this. And the result of that purity is then can be walked and talked. It's often pointed out that in these early times of the Buddha's uh, uh, transmission, uh, some of these early disciples, they really didn't have much handle on how to express the teaching. They just walked around and people saw them and were gladdened and felt hope, inspiration, because they could see beings who are not frenzied, uh, manipulative, living modestly, and they said, this itself is already bringing light into the world. It is gladdening to see such beings. Once you consider this, now we recognize that uh, when you come to awareness, as it covers everything. You're, everything you experience, you're aware of. Is there any edge to it? You can't find an edge to it. If it happens, it happens in awareness. Physicality happens within awareness. Sensations happen within awareness. You know, confusion happens within awareness. But we don't really know or connect to awareness without having some definite, concrete thing to to, to realize it through. Uh, so, you know, we're aware of everything, but like, well, so what? <laughs> you know. You can't actually note it. You can't really see awareness as some kind of object because it, it's aware of that action to see it as an object. You know, that even that could be sensed, you know. So how does this become a blessing? Because that awareness is held within this embodied mindful form and you begin to experience the qualities of release, uh, resolve, calm, joy, steadiness, and so forth. 
It's the manifestations that are the here and now inspiration and encouragement. If you cultivate like this, you will be that. It cannot be any other way. Those who will see it will see it. It can't be any other way. So this is very much like a sharing process. And you've got to recognize one of the main problems that is pointed out time and time again is this localization, this sense of I am an individual living inside this body, I'm separate from everything else. This kind of I pronoun is used to, to recognize some kind of singularity that's unique. Yeah. But you can be aware of that <laughs> and the effect of that, the cramping effect, the agitated effect, the anxious effect, the self-consciousness or the comparisons, how am I? Am I this? Am I that? How am I compared with this or that? Yeah, this is called conceit, mana. You can be aware of that. Follow it, suffering will come. Understand it, potential for suffering ceases. So when that quality of that eye-making, that ahankara, that conceit, is released, then this, our embodiment is just an aspect of, of Dhamma that's shared. And we breathe in, we breathe out. We give, we receive. Uh, we meet people, we arise, we pass, we move around in that. And that has an effect. It's good to open your mind, your way of thinking to this. So the sense of doubt, you know, what can I do? How much am I worth? How can I keep this going? That sense of doubt, you're aware of that. And you realize that's not going to take us very, it's not, it's not in accordance with the Dhamma. So you put it aside. You don't have to measure this. It's the measuring mind. However good the measure is, you want to get beyond the measuring. Because what does the measuring do? You experience it. Does it bring you happiness, clarity, calm, contentment, ease? No. Stop doing it. (laughs) What should I become? What will I become? Will I become this? Will I become that? Becoming suffering that you can be aware of that quality of becoming what can I become how will I be how can I keep going am I suffering you can be aware of that stop doing that when these forms conceit becoming views uh, selfhood begin to be seen and understood as just complexities that could grab hold and occlude the openness and the release of awareness, then they come out of them. So it's a, then then it's naturally, you don't need to conceive of yourself. 
And that may sound just kind of esoteric, but it, it, it really frees up those moments when you feel some measurement of yourself occurs that defines you as somehow, you know, better, worse than anybody else. So it keeps us available and open. This culture. The culture, the actual culture of Dhamma is similar. We receive a teaching, we, we, we apply ourselves to it, yeah. we feel gratitude, we want to help out. Because that's the way it goes. And that helping out could be anything. Just connecting, uh, helping out, anything. And when we uh, keep remembering that, uh, we chant at the end of our practice, and whether you chant it or don't chant it, the theme is you should share. Share the blessings of your practice. Goodness that rises from my practice you bring into your awareness, you set up that sharing vihara, and you invite in your spiritual teachers, your guides, your mother, your father, relatives, friends, so forth. And it's just up to you. You just invite and bring them all in. And it's said that just through this act of sharing, you create a very great vihara, and, you know, People you like, dislike, near, far, doesn't matter because you're bringing them into awareness with a sense of uh, uh, blessing, encouragement, bringing kindness to these beings. And the very quality of doing that, just the action of doing that, begins to free up the mind from its sense of impotence or measurement or what's the point or who am I doing this for anyway you get fed up with trying to live life just for yourself so sharing a merit does not just help others it also helps our mind to enter and enjoy that that domain of shared sharing personally speaking personally and I came into this whole thing because somebody was just offering meditation, um, a little vihara in northern Thailand. It was all free. Just turn up. Don't have to sign up for anything. Just show up, sit down. Talk is given. Guidance is given. There you are. That's it. <laughs> you know, just that that approach that openness that not advertised there's no big promise this is going to bring you luck, good fortune, bliss you'll be damned if you don't do it no, just here's something free, try it out see what happens so yeah, I picked that up and of course I couldn't, couldn't meditate well I couldn't do what I thought was what he was asking us to do, I couldn't do that. But it did make me aware of just how confused 
tangled up my mind was and I could actually witness it be aware of that awareness is there you are aware what you're aware of is pretty grim <laughs> and that, that <laughs> but you, you, there is that you're aware of it and so through that process just that that paradigm alone there's a certain momentum is, is encouraged like you're aware of just what a mess you are what a mess your head is and yet you're aware so there's both some sense of the something rather ineffable and amazing mysterious this quality of awareness which is doesn't seem to be bounded by anything and then you're connecting to something that's pretty tangled up so what you can do with that well naturally you want to bring that quality of awareness into that tangle because that's what the scenario sets up you've got a, a riddle you've been presented with a riddle a question an enigma you know, a conundrum it's there have a look at that what do you want to do with your life this is your life right here it is you've got this and you've got that what are you going to do about that well I think I'll do more of this I need to do more of this I've got to stay with this okay pick it up wait a minute I can't do this uh, in my current lifestyle I've got to get somewhere where they'll you know some sense restraint I don't do sense restraint very well at all <laughs> I'm allergic to it it makes me feel bad <laughs> and it did <laughs> but you know if you want to resolve this conundrum that's, the, that's part of the deal you know, I could sense that but I just have the resolve to do it so okay go somewhere monastery yeah you go to a monastery he says Ask the teacher, can I go to a monastery? He says, sure. Here's the address, just go there. I'll be there. Free offer. So the gift. The gift. So I always share merit with my first teacher. Hadn't been for him. Yeah. Even though the Dhamma is ineffable and eternal, it took one person to touch. So bring him in, Yeah. And then, okay, go to this place. Well, they give you a little hut to live in. It's nothing great, but it's pretty small. But there it is. You've got a shelter, some food every day. That's it. Difficult, naturally. But the amazing generosity to say, you just rock up at the gate. Okay, all right. Oh, here, here's the key place to live you know <laughs> go and see the abbot pay respects he says I said he said he could speak a bit of English he says what do you want and I said uh, I want to stop wanting and he said oh very good <laughs> end of interview <laughs> I think we can help you you go, go back to this kuti is okay there you are in this kuti little heart so practicing doing, trying to do this mindfulness stuff 
intense, but somehow another feeling of, wow, this is so bad, I've got to keep going. (laughs) Because you can't walk out living with this heap. So, you know, this is my life, and if this kind of chaotic stuff is there, I better, how am I going to live with it? So you just keep going because of that sense of, what else are you going to do? Once you're aware of it, and it's saying there's possibilities and all this stuff is described. You know? It's not like something specifically wrong with you. This is the stuff. And there's a way through it. And you can begin to see, yeah, I can sit still for ten minutes. I never did that before. Without actually reading something or talking to somebody. You sit still and quiet, upright for ten minutes. Wow, amazing. And then walking... 10 minutes and then another 10 minutes of sitting, another 10 minutes of walking, another 10 minutes of sitting, another 10 minutes. Of, got through an hour. Oh, I must be nearly enlightened by now. <laughs> this is this mindfulness stuff. So, and then, yeah, so, then of course, you know, then you start to do that. You think, well, it's 24 hours. That's one hour. Manage that. What about some more? And that's how it grows. And all the time you're given, every day. Food is given, every day. You don't have to do anything, just practice, here's some food. Shelter is given, every day. Stay as long as you like. No charge. They said, you don't have to be Buddhist to be here, just do this practice. That's it. That's generous. So that generosity, you know, of, of offering, it's got a quality to it. You, you start to rise up. They're giving you this. And so therefore, you bring forth some effort. And that's kind of the way it went, really. And then, thinking, well, I could sort of do this thing, and maybe I could sort of, since everybody else is wearing robes, I could do that for a little while, two or three months, and I've been more integrated into it, more feelings, so I could do that. Yeah, you can do that, two or three months, that's fine. You had enough, you can leave, that's fine. Okay. <laughs> you do it two or three months, should get enlightened in two or three months. Okay, and after two or three months, the idea of getting enlightened begins to you know, not exactly fade, but you think, yeah, this is, uh, this is about, you know, uh, this is not like learning French. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is about dealing with the restlessness, the anticipation, the goal-seeking, the self-view, the frustration. Uh, It's about dealing with this stuff as it happens. Okay, you can be aware of that, yeah. Keep going, keep going, keep going. So you, you know, and all the time, given, then we will give you robes, give you a bowl. Every day, offer food, arms round. If you don't know, don't ask anything in return. Just put some rice in your bowl. Happy to see you. Wow, gotta, gotta. With that's coming in, I gotta, you know, I gotta really live with integrity because of that. That's how it grows. You get a sense of the giving, 
brings out the best, you bring out your best, best you can, and you share it. You reflect, you consider. You can't do it without sharing it in some respect. Because the heart isn't open until you do until you do the sharing. It's open by the giving, it's made strong by the integrity and the integration of it, and then it's made great by the sharing of it. Which is just first of all bringing people to mind and, uh, and being touched, looking around. You see people in their humble lives just helping to support and you feel a sense of tremendous warmth and love for people. And that's how it begins and continues. And continuing, still going on. And still going on. That's the culture. And when we frame ourselves as aspects of the culture, which is this circle, you breathe in, you breathe out. You breathe in air that you could not possibly generate. You can't create it, you breathe it in. You breathe out, you clean. something you can breathe out into, you can release. You breathe in, you inhale, you take in people's gratitude, even people's suffering. You take it in, it touches your heart. You bring out quantities of caring, compassion, sharing. So it's, that's the circle. Heart's not healthy unless it's a circle. And that circle has no limits as to how it, it just, you can't, it just keeps growing in accordance with its capacities. So bear this in mind and uh, acknowledge what you, your, you know, your dumb nature and uh, refresh yourself with it when you start to take yourself personally rather than some piece of the mystery that you're working with, you know, you know, the incarnation of it, something has to be understood, understood, released.